0: Hey everyone, my name is Ben and welcome to Behind the Bathrooms, a podcast where we talk about bathrooms, business, and everything in between. Today, we have my co-host Steve Nokovic, director and founder of Novali Bathrooms. This episode, we'll be talking about delivering quality in operations. This can be the project management side of operations, but also the strategic side, such as job scheduling, capacity, building a job pipeline, and using metrics to plan ahead. You'll find this episode that the strategic side plays a huge role in growing and scaling your business, and we recommend that you stay until the end to get the full value of this topic. Now, without further ado, let's start the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Steve.
1: Hey, Ben. How you going?
0: Doing great. How are you?
1: Yeah, good. Thanks.
0: Okay, so this episode, we're going to be talking about delivering quality in operations. So just for the people out there, quality can mean many different things. So what does quality look like for you guys in the bathroom renovation industry?
1: Yeah, for us, quality means that we deliver as a whole. The whole thing's delivered with transparency, efficiency, you know, having a high-performing team with a repeatable, proven process that pretty much delivers beyond a customer's expectation. To us, that's quality. Um, we've we've gone as far as, like you just said now, that quality means different things to different people. We've gone as far as getting our company uh, ISO accredited. So that means now from an external uh, verification point that we operate to a uh, high standard.
0: That's great. So with ISO accreditation, can you explain further what that really consists of, like trying to get this thing for other businesses? What would that mean to get ISO accreditation?
1: Yeah, look, for, for us it wasn't, you know, it's not something I'd say everyone go and get ISO accreditation. For the way we operate, like we, we operate with pretty strict and tight systems and processes, it's one of our philosophies is, you know, show, don't tell. So we're out there showing a customer on how we operate. We don't want to go out there and say, hey, we deliver a quality bathroom. We're just going to show you how we operate and we're going to have other people sort of verify that for us. So going through that process uh, allowed us to not tell a customer, hey, we deliver quality because, again, like you said, everyone's level of quality is different. Now we've got an a, um, external independent auditor that will turn around and actually say, yep, we've verified this business. They operate to a quality um, standard or an international standard using a quality management system. So that's, that's the level of quality we've wanted to achieve.
0: And that really goes back to get this ISO accreditation. It's what you were saying before. You need to document your processes. You need to you know, try it, test it, make sure that it, it produces the right amount of quality and output that you're aiming for and that the industry is aiming for and to really do that on a consistent basis throughout the entire organization. So we've kind of talked about why, what quality means in a bathroom renovation industry and why it's important. Um, so let's take it back to the early days of Novali before you, know, you had everything and you're just starting off. What did quality look like then?
1: Quality uh, was very similar to what we do now for a customer. So the customer experience is very similar. Uh, the, the difference is between when we started to, to now – uh, is just documented and a lot of the uh, processes – well, not a lot of There's a lot of things that are automated or, or documented. So instead of it being me on a site uh, delivering the quality or the experience to the customer, it's now at a point where we can then train on board someone else to deliver to a very, very similar standard.
0: Mm, and that just handing that off and having a process that you can offer to the next person is so important to just grow your business Yeah, and eventually just – go into a more management role as opposed to just being in a direct role yes. doing every project. So we were in earlier conversations, we were talking about, you know, in the industry that there's builders, there's bathroom renovators and then there's a bathroom renovation business. I might be – correct me if I'm wrong in that case, but um, can you explain kind of the differences between the three?
1: Yeah, so look, there's guy, guys out there that are, are renovating bathrooms, uh, let's say – to a quality level, um, but they're hands-on. They're on site. So they're, they're having to be there to deliver that quality because let's say maybe the investment hasn't been made into documenting the processes or the time and effort to train someone to, to actually continue and deliver to the same standard that they're expecting. So they're out there renovating bathrooms. Then you've got the guys that are running businesses, running a bathroom renovation business that's renovating bathrooms. Uh, so they're actually managing and and there's a lot of emphasis in, in the system and the process and being able to manage a team that's renovating bathrooms. And then obviously you've got the builders that are out there doing <clears throat> they're doing everything. They're building, you know, extensions, new homes, and potentially renovating bathrooms. Uh, for us, that's a little bit different uh from a customer's point of view. You'd probably want a specific bathroom renovator or someone who's specializing it specializes in that particular field uh, that sort of maintain, to me, the quality is there through the repeatable process, the, the same guys on site, you, you're maintaining uh, the, the um, subcontractor engagement because you're constantly doing the same thing. You're not doing one day, you're doing a deck, the next day you're doing extension, one day you're doing a, a bathroom. You, you don't have the consistency with your team
0: yeah it definitely goes back to whether you want to hire a, a generalist or a specialist and with specialization people that just do that one thing really well, you can definitely see the difference in quality in that in consistent quality um, in the things and they definitely can t- deliver something that's most likely more to what you're expecting perhaps and just, yeah, and just working the whole process for them would be a lot easier. I would yeah. imagine than for someone that just does a lot of things.
1: Yeah, with, with a bathroom, there's for us there's approximately 260 tasks in a bathroom and unless you're doing it day in, day out, it's very difficult to refine all those, those tasks. So just if that's all you're specialising in, it, it gives you the ability to keep building on the quality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've kind of talked about just the, the, what quality is in the industry. And now let's just get into the, the builds, the build process, the project management. So where your listeners out there will find out how Navali delivers quality in their operations and how you can apply it to your own business perhaps. So can you just give the listeners an idea or what a bathroom renovation project is like, and just give us a brief high level run through of the project process from let's say job agreement to the handing over the bathroom to
1: the customer okay from from a customer signing a job agreement with us we've got a we call it a 5 week plan so there's a whole heap of tasks that are required like some of those 260 tasks they they're required to be um done before a job starts it's as an example it might be as simple as confirming tile quantities to make sure the order on the tiles Uh, Correct for the selection that the customer purchased, right? So we've got this whole uh, process before a job actually starts from day one. We call that like a five-week plan. Sorry, and then we've got a we call it a pre-start or a pre site order. It happens a week before a job starts, and we go through a whole list of details. and and There's about thirty things on that checklist and, and the plan, and we go through and sign off exactly what's required. From the customer's point, there's no uh, miscommunication through the job agreement to a job starting or potential selections on what they've picked. Things change from a job agreement to a job starting, so we just want to make sure we uh, clear all that up before we start. And then basically the process on a job, its generally it's a two-week turnaround for a bathroom. A lot of people will say, you know, how can you do a bathroom in two weeks? But it's through the having the team and the efficiency and the systems and the process in place and I've had guys come in here and go, oh, it's a little bit tight. And then when you go, oh, actually, well, if you've planned it out properly and you've, you've got everyone scheduled, uh, all the materials, the PCs, everything's ordered, the two weeks is actually ample enough time when you're able to adjust the labour to accommodate the scope of work. So typically, <clears throat> day one, you're setting up, preparing a job, you're dem- demolishing the job. Day two, you've got a plumber in there. Uh, day three, the electricians in there. So you, within three days, you've got it demolished, roughed in, and then depending on what type of waterproofing system you use, by the end of the week, you've got it uh, sheeted, rendered, and waterproofed. And you know, some guys are going to go, "Well, how can you render and waterproof?" We use a PVC system, so it's a different system. We use other products um, in regards to epoxy moisture seal and certain type of uh, products out there that allow us to sort of, uh, you know, if we're rendering a job on a Thursday, by the time we've applied waterproofing let's say on a monday we've used uh, epoxy moisture seal allows us to maintain that schedule and pretty much the the next week it's three days of tiling Uh, day four day five is fit out and then you're waiting sort of for potentially glazing or custom joinery so generally uh, a high percentage of our bathrooms would happen in a two-week period
0: yeah and I think you you pointed out something very important Like so this is this two week process is really the product of really good planning risk mitigation and really that pre-work site audit that just sets everything up. Yeah that you can just roll in and get the two-week process done. So we were talking earlier actually, that I think it's during the five-week plan actually, or maybe before that, during the admin stage, you raised a good point that I think customers may find important is homeowner's warranty insurance. Yeah. Can you just explain that um, to customers what that is?
1: Yeah, so that's it's changed from homeowner's warranty to home building compensation insurance fund. It's basically an insurance for a customer if the renovator contractor goes broke or passes away, they become deceased. <clears throat> that protects the customer in in the event of any issues that arise after the fact, and if the builder or bathroom renovator doesn't come back and rectify their issues, so so that's something that's a legislation. You've got it. You've actually got to follow it. So any any job over twenty thousand uh, dollars, that's requ- that's required. So look for us, it's. That is unfortunate, but we see it a lot. Where you know we're we're quoting bathrooms that might be twenty two thousand dollars or twenty three thousand dollars, or it might be even thirty thousand dollars, and you see the competitor quoting it at nineteen thousand nine hundred dollars. We automatically see that you know they're they're not supplying this insurance, or they they don't have the insurance at all, so they're not even able to apply for it. So then it's unfortunate, but the customer then potentially has a problem.
0: Yeah, and I think this is. Just it's great for the customer to kind of account for this when they're setting up a bathroom project and to kind of keep this in mind because if it does go over that twenty thousand, this is very important and yeah. it, it is required. So yeah. that is good. So let's go back to the the five week plan to planning process because this is yeah. really the the most important part. And as I was saying before, it's the reason why you can do a bathroom so quickly a standard bathroom renovation. Yeah. Um, so, can you kind of go more in detail what you what's involved in this five week plan?
1: Yeah, it's it's making sure the paperwork's right. It's making sure that the um, the PCs are verified. So exactly what's able to go into the bathroom can, can actually go into the bathroom. Um, it is it is setting up the like I said the tile the tile quantities and things like things like that. I'll just um, I'll bring it. it. It is it's also applying for <clears throat> sorry. Uh, it's also applying for your homeowner's warranty insurance, which can take a bit of time and making sure that's all all, all set up. Uh, anything that's custom made needs to be uh, ordered and, and organised, if it can be at that point. So, yeah, there's a whole heap of things. The schedule's got to go out to the guys, so every, every person that's on that job, you might have underfloor heating on the job, the underfloor heating guy, even if it's your team doing it, they know when they're doing it, on what day, so that schedule gets released, the plan gets released, everything gets released, to buy that time in case there's any changes or any issues that, that might arise. So you've got time to fix.
0: Oh, that's great. And also in that plan, um, you guys do the procurement stage, so purchasing of the yep. materials and organising all that. You guys actually um, do that for the customer, is that correct?
1: Uh, yes, the customer's got the flexibility of purchasing the products themselves. Um, however, we advise that we get it through our suppliers. And a lot of the times, you know, the customers might think, oh, you're getting the the products, you're making money on the products, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> How it actually works is if we go through our suppliers, we actually pass on a discount. And the reason we pass on that discount is because we want to control the job and we want to actually own and, re- and be responsible for everything. And we've had many, many customers go and purchase the PC items and it can become quite difficult and challenging for us to actually renovate and maintain that schedule. So we'll, we, we can finish a job in two weeks and then there's still a vanity hanging around for two weeks because the owner's purchased it from a supplier that doesn't have great systems and processes in place. So as an example, we just completed one now where the customer did purchase all the PC items probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And the second time round when we've done another bathroom and a laundry, it's like I'm not even considering it. Just you guys just organize it and order it, and then and for us that's the smoothest possible way to run a, a, a bathroom renovation.
0: And these suppliers you've had a long term relationship, so you know exactly what quality you're getting and and when they're going to deliver, and just that you know that you can get it done in time, yeah. and they're going to deliver in time, so you can get the project done in that two week period for a standard bathroom, of course. And yeah, so. Um, in terms of that, let's move on to the the pre-workside audit. Can you explain? So this happens, as Steve was talking about, this happens after the five-week plan. You guys do a pre worksite. Yeah, audit? Yeah, that's okay. all right.
1: So a week before we start, we go out to a customer and we go through the, the plan and, and the scope and make sure we've uh, again verified at another point to make sure that we're all on the same page. And at that point, we... Um, Basically, sign off on all the all the little details that are required to make sure that that job runs right. So, if there's anything that we need to either re- retain in the bathroom, um, we need to understand <coughs> where where we're going to be placing our you know rubbish solution, um, access to water points, access to the electrical. Box. There's a whole list of things. There's about twenty five to thirty things on a list, and we need to just that's our last point to double check and verify everything before the job starts. Um, it can take an hour, an hour, hour to two hours t- to conduct this um, audit process, but it can save you days the, on the on the back end.
0: And this is really just like a paper checklist. So like He has it in front of front of us and just showing it. It's just a simple checklist that it can go, and it's just something that seems to be really overlooked. Um, I can see just because you know paperwork and such, but it is so important just so you you hit all those points because down the line. If you miss one of them, you're going to have a lot of serious implications in your project and it could push it past the deadline.
1: Yeah, every everything that's on our list, they're, they're there for a reason. They're, they've either cost us money, cost us time, cost the customer an experience. It, it's, it's there to be, you know, you've got to fulfill and, and go through these checklists properly uh, and in detail to ensure that the bathroom runs correctly.
0: Yeah, and this pre work site audit um, is an example. I guess of you were talking about in earlier conversations about the difference between being proactive and being reactive, and can you explain why being proactive is so beneficial, especially doing um, the work that you guys do in bathroom renovations?
1: Yeah, for us, for us, pre-plan. At the end of the day, everything that we're doing, we it's it's just repeatable. We're doing the same thing over and over again. So to sort of step it back a notch, if you're going to be asking the same question and you've you've left, you know, you've at an initial chat with a customer and you're asking these questions and it's all through, oh, yeah, I've got to ask you this, I've got to ask you that. Why would you not document the questions that you always ask? Make sure you sign off and verify. And and there, some of those questions are the proactive things that will save the time later. So if you're going to be able to um, check off this list, 20 items that you can ask before the job starts as opposed to when the job starts, There's time to fix things. Uh, uh, One simple example, you're in a unit block, there is a water isolation valve. And in an old unit block, there's a good chance that that water isolation valve doesn't work. Do you want to be turning the water isolation valve off the day you're demolishing and realise that it's not going to isolate your water and then you accidentally hit a pipe and then you've got a problem? Or would you rather identify that the isolation Tap doesn't work a week before, which gives the owner a week's time to get strata in to fix the water isolation. So if for whatever reason anything happens on demo day, you're covered. And when the plumber's there to do his rough in, you're covered as well. So that's just very, very simple, proactive approach to understanding the possible problems that might occur if you're not checking these things in in ahead of time.
0: And this is really goes back to one of the fundamental concepts of delivering quality it's being proactive. It's identifying these risks and potential issues that can come up into the future, or even just finding out how you can make a project better and just taking that initiative to fix all these things ahead of time before they arise and become a serious problem. So we talked about the five week plan pre-work side or probably arguably one of the most important parts of this, of the project. let's move into the day one build process where I think we from a non-renovator myself, I I don't have any trade experience or anything. I would have thought the day one build process is the hardest part. But really, that is the easiest part. And can you just quickly elaborate why this is the easiest part?
1: Yeah, day one, everything's been set up already. So for us, it's we already know what's happening and, and what's required. Uh, it's just setting the, the tone for the rest of the job. So day one is simply just establishing the site, making sure everything's um, protected, organized materials on site. Demolition happens on, on day one. And day one is pretty critical because there's a chance, there's a percentage chance that you do find things on day one. It could be it could be termites. It could be, you know, even even as as far as let's say, oh, you go on day one, you start demolitioning and you find asbestos. We've already proactively checked and tested that if it is asbestos, we've already got a plan in place and then the appropriate demolition Companies in there on day one so so day one is pretty much demolition site establishment and setting it all up so marking everything marking everything out but you're marking everything out based on what's already been confirmed anyway so it's um, no it's not that difficult if everything's been done beforehand.
0: Yeah, and it just lets the trades just go in there and do their job. They don't have to think and make decisions. Everything's done for them. Everything's set up. Everything is being labeled. And they can just go in, get the job done, and get out as soon as possible, which helps everyone, honestly. And it kind of goes into when you're talking about, okay, there's like termites – and there could be things that appear in the the pre-workside audit. So the pre-workside audit, does that happen a week before day one? Yeah. And if something happens, is that enough time one week to kind of fix most issues?
1: Uh, This unforeseen that you won't be able to fix straight off the bat because you won't won't be able to identify them until day one, until you actually demolish. But there's a few checks and tests, like I said, with asbestos. And um, sometimes the customer knows that there's – potential termite issues, that doesn't happen often anyway. That That's quite rare. Um, but the week before allows us to confirm that we've got the appropriate PCs. Everything's ordered. Everything's been booked in for delivery. So that aspect is covered off. And then on day one, you've got the ability to check all those things. Are they the right thing? Uh, are they the right items that have been purchased, delivered? Because let's say you've got as another example. You've got a toilet. You... It's been delivered on day one. <clears throat> you open that up and, I don't know, the, the seat's broken. So you've opened the box up for the seat. You, you don't open that up on the last day when you're fitting out. You open that up on day one because now you've got 14 days pretty much to, to have it rectified. Right. So just simple things like, like that. Day one is really establishing everything, checking everything and then making sure the rest of the jobs uh, run smooth.
0: And in terms of that when you're talking about the customer choosing pc items, is there a cut off time within the process when they can keep making changes, and then when they need to that 's the final decision
1: uh, certain things you you're going to need to make and that's why it is a five week plan and, and we and we do have a pipeline of our jobs, and we don't start a job tomorrow because a customer said they want to go ahead there's a time frame between just even selecting it so customers i've had many customers say oh, we're easy, we'll select it, you know, we just need to go out there one day. But th- some of them only have a Saturday to pick things. So Saturday comes, they didn't pick it, they didn't realise it was overwhelming. That takes two or three weekends potentially, depending on if they're going with one of our packages or or they're wanting to select it themselves. By the time they order it and you've got vanities that might take three to four weeks, other items aren't that difficult. Um, so there's a few things that, yes, you do need to select ahead of time. I'd probably say, A vanity is the most critical uh, because that usually won't be off the shelf. It gets custom made even if it's purchased through a shop. And all the other bits, you have a little bit more time. And then there's also the other bits which are, you know, grout colors and silicon, you know, trying to match colors. And if there's a variance, there's more time to decide on those finishes if they haven't um, already made them. All right. It's good
0: to know actually. and. So after the build process, everything's done, um, are there any kind of inspections or things you do after just to get that ensure that final level of quality before handing off?
1: Yeah, so I, you mentioned before like our pre-work site audit is, is you know, paper document. We, we have that paper document for a reason because we're actually sitting in front of the customer and it's nice, we can draw and write on it and they sign off on it. Everything else for us is a form, electronic form. And we have multiple inspections, so we do have an inspection that gets signed off by the site manager prior to anything getting rendered or, or sheeted because that allows another opportunity to double-check your work to make sure it's uh, you're ready to proceed. And if there is an issue, you've got time to fix it at a minimal cost. You're not fixing it at the end of the job, you're fixing it then and there. So there is multiple inspections. There's an inspection before, like I said, the sheeting and rendering. There's an inspection before a shower screen goes on. And then there's another one at handover. So we hand over a bathroom and we do a final final sign-off. So there's multiple points where if we do find anything, uh, we've got the ability to fix it at, uh, like I said, a low cost or a very quick time period.
0: Right. And... At this point, usually if everything's planned well, um, the build process, is there's no hiccups or anything. There's really, it's just a formality at this point. There shouldn't be many issues popping up after you've done all those other checks before and then the build process went well.
1: Yeah, so really if if there's going to be any issues, it, it would be on day one. There'd be something exposed and unforeseen. You would come up with a really clever, quick, great solution to whatever the problem is. And from there it shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue because you've already ticked all the boxes off off beforehand to make sure that that, that quality is delivered throughout that process. Right.
0: And in, in the two week process, do you guys um have any do you schedule or add room for contingencies in case unforeseen happen and these things?
1: Um there there is. Saturdays for us are a bit of a contingency. But as an example, day one is if you can imagine a very simple bathroom right day one is demolition day two is plumbing so our plumbing will go from day two and day three so our day three is a contingency for the plumbing it doesn't happen often but it's there because we know the electrical component is is never more than a day so if there was a little bit of plumbing left over it can happen on day three along with the electrician in the afternoon so we're still back on schedule so the plumbing doesn't have to happen on day day two in a day it can happen over two days as a worst case so we've got contingencies built in throughout that um two-week schedule
0: and and it's important to know that you actually um all these you know documentation these processes this whole project management process was actually what you were doing when you started off in um in bathroom renovations so i guess from that point was this what you were doing to, to build all these processes, was this just from your experience or were you kind of asking other people what they were doing and, and how would someone kind of build it from day one, this process?
1: I guess that comes back to what what you're wanting to do as well. If you're, if you're wanting to actually build it and grow it and be able to manage a team, um, you've got no choice but to sort of look at the most efficient way to run, run that bathroom um, project, right? So – So in order to do that, you've got to look at where your time's spent. Are you on site? Are you off site? Um, Who's going to be there at what day and what time and how long do they need? The the understanding on how long they need, that might be a discussion with the said trade and and they're going to guide and advise you on, you know, you could come across a, a tiling detail and it's like the tiler says, look, I actually need four days for this type of tile. Well, you build that into your schedule. So it's being able to understand I guess what questions you need to ask your trades in order to help you schedule those jobs and you'll only need that in the beginning for a few jobs and then after that you should be able to schedule schedule a work out and then knowing as well like your scheduling based on and how many starts you're doing. Are you starting a bathroom every month? Are you starting one every two weeks, one, one a week, two a week, five a week? Depending on what you're doing you'll, you'll understand how important it is to be super proactive with your scheduling.
0: Yeah. And you kind of led into the the next subject, which is the the strategic side of delivering quality and operations. <laughs> you kind of just jumped in through it, but that's good. So I guess what we were talking about when we we're talking about the strategic side, which is it's the management of the job scheduling, building your job pipeline, using metrics to evaluate performance and planning ahead. So essentially the organization of taking on these new jobs. So what I'd like to ask you, what you were talking about is like, how do you know, how, do you, how can you know your capacity? How, know, how do you know how, to t- how many jobs you can take on during a week?
1: So from the beginning, if we're, let's say we're talking about someone who's starting out. <clears throat> so, so for us when we started out, we, in our first year we did six bathrooms. A year? Six bathrooms for the year, right? So our first year was six but all along we are tiling. So we're tilers. By trade, so we're tiling and we've built six bathrooms, but that that was uh, intentional. That was to give me ample enough time to dissect and analyze what was required, what was needed to refine, without putting that pressure on. So I knew in year one that I was only able to do a small amount of bathrooms based on the capability of my knowledge and my team.
0: Yeah, right. and actually how many people did you have in your team at that there point?
1: Just there was three of us. Three three, and probably had an extra one floating around, right? So at that point I knew how many I could do based on our team's capabilities which gave me the time to then build, refine and tweak all the bits and pieces that were required. So I understood that from early on. A lot of guys will take on excess amount of work because it comes on but they don't have the team to deliver. That's, that's a hard thing because they've got to gauge it themselves. So if you if you come across uh, a customer not being happy, let's say. So we're talking about quality, right? In, in the beginning, I will say I never, ever not had a happy customer. Every single one was super, super happy. And that was because I managed my time and I knew how much we could take on in order to deliver what we promised, right? So if I and I, I didn't when I was running the jobs, but if you are out there running bathrooms and you hear a customer say, oh, that wasn't good or this wasn't right, you haven't got to the point where you can actually run it to a quality or a high quality level. So something's missing. Your team's not right. You, you don't have the right processes in place. You've taken on too much. So, So you should be able to gauge on how much you can take on based on the feedback also from the customer because it will actually never be the customer. It will be how you've managed the customer and if you haven't managed the customer, have you not had time? Have you taken on too much? So you should be able to identify how much your team can handle based on, you know, not everyone who's renovating bathrooms starts off day one renovating bathrooms. They're usually a trade, a plumber, a tiler, a carpenter and they start doing bathrooms and then they slowly build into a bathroom business. So you, you, you have to sort of work that out in regards to who you've got. Like for us, I don't know, we spoke about it last episode, it was about our first two hires were, were on-site workers but our next hire was admin. So there's no point in, you know, going out there and doing all these jobs if you don't have the right team and your your next team member might be admin or accounts or fine, whatever it is. Um, you need to sort of stop, take check and look at that.
0: Yeah, you were talking about you when you first started off you handled six bathrooms. Uh, in one year, did you, was that feasible? Did you, what, did you learn that you can handle more because you had the, the team for it and things like that? You had all the processes set in place?
1: Yeah. Every time I've done anything, I've always had, I'm pretty conservative. So I've always had an income or, or a steady flow of <clears throat> activities getting done while I'm looking at the next thing. So the six, again, that was intentional to do a small amount. And look, we do more than that every week and there'll be a point where we do more than six every day. But I'm only going to the point where the team is able to deliver that amount. So again, six was only um, six bathrooms in the first year. And it doesn't matter, six, 10, 20. It's it's more about the quality of the bathroom, not the number of it. But just to put it in perspective, a lot of guys are going out there thinking, I've got to renovate X amount, 20, 30, 40, 100, 100 bathrooms. But you can't renovate that many bathrooms if you don't have the team in place. So six in the first year was was feasible because it wasn't I wasn't relying on the six I was relying on the other income from tiling, and the six bathrooms gave me the foundation to to tweak and refine everything required to be able to just deliver that again. Like fr- from a rep- it's repeatable it's all the same thing. Everything uh, gave me the time to to document and put some structure in place.
0: Yeah, and pretty much gave you the time to develop all the you know internal ops and processes and document that to just develop that platform to just kind of scale up quicker actually.
1: Yeah, and it was very, very simple back then. It wasn't like what what we've got now but it was a start. Mm.
0: And I think that um, I want to move on to now when talking about handling jobs is building a job pipeline and what is, I just want to ask, what does your job pipeline look like now and how did you start building it from that six to, to what it is now?
1: Yeah. So from year one, we you know just very simply, it's gone from six to twelve to twenty four to forty, and it's just kept growing from there. Um, again, we've adapted and adjusted the the pipeline and the amount of bathrooms we do based on one where we want to get to as a business and, and and two how much we can handle. Right. So uh, right now, I know with the current amount of teams that we've got operating, they can all operate and deliver one job every, every week and there's you know six to seven teams running. So when um, going back to sort of knowing your numbers, we know that it's an average of 1.4 bathrooms to every customer. So we're, we're renovating quite a few bathrooms every week but that's only based on the fact that we've got the teams able to deliver what, what we've set out to achieve and what we've actually promised the customer. So knowing knowing that number is just working back then understanding your leads and your conversions and then how much how much time and effort's required to actually get those bathrooms ready to be able to, to, to deliver and then knowing that the team's able to deliver as we've promised.
0: And yeah, you just you're just talking about metrics just at the end of there, and that's um something wanna ask you as well, is that um, what kind of metrics are you using to measure you know, your pipeline and like – and how many kind of jobs you need to do within a certain amount
1: of time? Yeah, so look, if I've got uh, every individual team, we'd be looking at – and we found this nice little balance of a job starting every week for uh, an individual team is a nice um, even sort of, you know, balance for customer experience, for for their time management – uh, the team underneath and the sub, is it, it's nice and, and pretty relaxed, right? So if I was looking at having a team <clears throat> uh, renovate a, a job every, every week, I would be using the metrics of uh, how long does it take to actually convert a job. So from a phone ringing to a job actually getting accepted to a job starting, I know is 60 days, right? So it's 30 days to a job. Uh, being accepted and it's another thirty days from a job starting so using that number to understand how far in advance I need to be booked and then understanding the conversion rate so how many how many leads do I need and, and how many of them am i going to convert to understand how long do I need to spend on quoting and how long an actual quote takes so it's not like you know quote's half an hour you've actually got a go to the quote you've got to you know explain there's a lot of back and forth with customers so so understanding that time so how long a a, a quote takes and let's call it five hours to be conservative and then understanding your conversion rate so if you've got a conversion rate of 20 percent and you've got a job starting every week you're going to need to go and quote five jobs every week as opposed to a conversion rate of 40 percent where you're going to quote two and a half so then you understand how much time you need And then also the intention of growing from 6 to 12 to 24 quite slowly, that allowed us to have a high level of referrals. So we had a high conversion rate because we didn't have to advertise. So the time spent quoting was very minimal as opposed to someone out there that's starting and that doesn't have a referral network and wants to renovate, let's say, 50 bathrooms a year, they're going to be buying those leads from somewhere. And then that's expensive. And then the conversion rate on those bought leads is low. So now it's a double whammy and it's super expensive to win a job. So that's where we sort of say to the guys out there that are starting to, to renovate to do it slowly and organically and potentially keep their trade business or whatever they've got on the side. It's, it's not on the side. That's their bread and butter. and And the bathroom happens on the side. And that's going to ensure and help them actually build a sustainable, strong business.
0: And you just – actually touched on a very important point, the importance of referrals and how quality leads to referrals and how effective is it. And so it kind of leads on to that next question of how has referrals and how much of your business is um, benefited by having customer referrals?
1: Yeah, uh, original uh, initially, um, nearly everything was a referral. There was a bit of advertising and I was just Trying it and testing it just to see what the the return was, and I, I know when we first started, it was you know Google and an ad in the paper, and I got four times bang for my buck um, through Google versus the paper. Um, I know what the conversion rates were on those sources as opposed to referrals. So nothing beats a referral, and the way you're getting a referral is through the quality of your work. So a lot of guys out there, I don't, I don't know the mindset on, and why this happens, but if if you're not out there to absolutely deliver quality to a customer, you are paying for it. So a lot of guys don't see the value in delivering the best possible experience to the customer. And if you understood the numbers and the money involved, you would do anything and everything to make sure that the quality of that bathroom was to the highest standard possible. And that's the hard bit because you said originally everyone looks at quality from a different point, right? So someone thinks it's quality and someone else doesn't. If your customer thinks it's quality and they feel like it's quality, then it's quality. And you know that you've delivered the best possible experience. That's going to put you in the best stead to have a high referral rate. And then on the referral rate, the conversion rate is completely different. So when you're converting a referral as opposed to a, a lead from Google, they're, they're different metrics. They're different numbers there. So when you understand that that referrals come from quality, you're going to make sure you're delivering quality to a customer.
0: And the difference between referrals and a lead um, from a customer's point of view is that when they're getting a referral, it's from their friends. So they know what their friends yep. want. They know their tastes, And if they've got similar tastes or even um, even different, they know that their friend has gone through it, they've, kind of mitigated that risk of going with a new new renovator. So yeah. it's whilst as opposed to with a Google lead, you know, you just kind of taking on that risk yourself and it could go wrong. You might not – the renovator might not be able to do what you want it to do. So the fact that a customer has already well, – like a friend or a family it's a member. It's a trust source, thing. yeah. Yeah, and that's just so important. And I kind of want to touch upon a point we may have missed in the project management side, which is that you – you 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 prioritize making the deadlines as opposed to, let's say, you know, getting maximizing the profit. You rather get the job done quickly and job on time than pushing it back and trying to get every profit from that. And that's because you you adjust the labor, and not the deadline. So can you just tell the listeners out there what we're talking about when we talk about that?
1: Yeah. So the priority is actually the customer one. So the customer experience one. the, the schedule when we build the schedule out. We have, like, we sort of said about contingencies. There's a couple of days there where we don't we don't jam it too too tight where we're we're going to have problems. So we want to maintain that schedule. But that's maintaining that schedule is one. So you you're not in the customer's house for for 14 weeks. You're in there for the shortest amount of period, um, and that's through efficiency. That's not through uh, cutting corners or mismanagement. It's not through that. It's just through pure efficiency and making sure we're proactive in our approach. So we don't – let's say you've got a bathroom that's standard and it's a standard two-week process. If it's a bit bigger than standard, it's still a two-week process for us because all we do is adjust the labour. So instead of demolition being two guys, it's three guys. Instead of the plumber being on there, on his own there on day two, it's two plumbers there. You know, the, the villa board is – you know, the sheeting of the villa board is now two rockers and – and a, a labourer potentially, depending on how, how large it is. So we're not really adjusting our schedules so much. We're adjusting our balance, the balance of labour to accommodate a, a nice sort of flow of two weeks. And that's not to say we're not going to do a bathroom in two weeks if that bathroom requires three weeks or four weeks or five weeks. We're going to do the bathroom in the time that's required to deliver the best quality. And then from there, it's the quality and then on schedule. So we are, yeah, we're adjusting labour to suit, suit a schedule.
0: And I think that's that takes a lot of discipline to do because I think as a new business, even for me, I would think that you would need to maximize the profit of every job. And that, even if that means, you know, reducing the cost and stretching that deadline. But that deadline in the long run will by stretching it will eat into getting new jobs and having time for that new job pipeline and you know and kind of having that constant flow and it will interrupt that flow if you stretch that deadline. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So look for you, you, depending on how you want to operate, if you want to operate and be on site and, you know, do everything yourself, I think we sort of touched on it before, and you do everything yourself and you want it to span over three weeks, that's fine. You you renovate a bathroom and you you run that yourself and you're on there and you're hands-on and you, you're going to do that over a three-week period. That means you're going to get to, you know, 16 bathrooms a year. Or you can actually schedule it, build a team, get it to a point where you can actually manage and understand that managing over doing the job is is the priority and you can then start booking in a bathroom every week, which is, you know, 48 – we call it 48 weeks. We, we all have four weeks off. Um, and, and it's it's just – all it is is adjusting your time, the labour of your, your team, and, and I think also putting a, a value in your time. That's the biggest thing where I, I see a lot of guys going, well, I'll just do it myself. It's not costing, it's costing you because it's what are you not now doing. Because you're so busy building the bathroom and you're renovating, let's say, 16 bathrooms a year, you're now, what are you not doing? You're not now getting a lead, following it up, organizing the next one, building your team because you're too busy saving money. So we see we see that as a common common issue. And that, And when we talk about quality, if you're happy and you want to renovate, a bathroom over three weeks and you're delivering the best quality to the customer, that's fine. You're going to stay there and you're going to renovate bathrooms. But if you actually want to run a business that renovates bathrooms, you're going to have to start looking at documentation on how do you, how do you get the quality that you're delivering over three weeks? How do you get that quality in a process documented? So the next guy that you're going to train can deliver it in a more efficient way. So yeah, that's pretty much how how we see it.
0: No, absolutely. I think that is one of the major takeaways from this episode is that quality in operations includes both the project and the strategic organizational side. And I feel that a lot of people just like myself would focus on project management. I'm not really focused on building or getting that next job, but then now that I have think about it, it's actually so important figuring out how to get a process done to get that new job and managing multiple jobs, especially if you want to go from you know just being a renovator to a business and that jump is, requires a lot of that strategic side to invest in. So thank you for that Steve and we're going to jump back to now the customer side and you talk about the quality and how a customers recognise quality. Can you explain from your experience what does a customer see when they think of a quality bathroom and project?
1: Yeah I think from a customer's point, um, I look at the actual bathroom itself as being, let's say, 50% and the rest of it being, it's actually I'd say more, but let's call it 50-50. The bathroom itself is 50% and the rest of it is 50 So the experience, what did they go through? Were you on time? Were you neat? Were you tidy? Did you communicate well? So so that there's a quality piece to all of that and then there's a quality on the job. For a customer, it's probably harder to tell that that tile's been laid properly with the right glue and the right spacing and the right you know, uh, internal corners being siliconed and not grouted and there's a whole heap of those little things. Um, but from a customer's point, if they they feel like they've been taken care of and we know that we've delivered, like anyone out there that's actually delivering it, they know that they've done the right thing by following the the code and, and what's required of them doing it, it's actually all the other bits and pieces that the customers remembering the whole experience. How do they feel at the end of it? Did they feel like they were taken care of? Did they get value for money? I know for us it actually happened probably last week where after 10 years I had a customer call call me up actually and he just had a, a little – 10 years later he had a little leak in his shower. It was a bit of a, a defect in regards to um, a shower screen system and we've gone and sorted it out 10 years later and looking at that bathroom. 10 years later, it's like it was done a week ago or two weeks ago, right? One, yes, the customer's taken care of it, but that's the quality. The quality will last the test of time. So from a customer looking at it uh, the day it's finished, they're going, yeah, this looks good, but is it going to still look like that 10 years down the track? And that's the difference between having a quality product and service. And then all of a sudden – the $2,000 extra up front doesn't seem too bad if 10 years down the track I've got a bathroom that's actually been done properly and I felt like I was taken care of and they, they did it in the time they said they were going to do it. They didn't muck me around. Uh, they're all nice, polite. The quality of the work's there. 10 years down the track they've still got a bathroom that's that's beautiful.
0: And it just goes back to just when you get everything right the first time and you get the right things, you, you do the right processes, checklists, the quality is just reflected in that. And you also just touched on something very interesting is the customer experience. And that is also important in terms of not just building a great bathroom, but also delivering a great customer experience. And this this takes um, a lot of uh, trial and error sometimes to understand what a customer really wants. I've gone through that personally. But for, um, for the listeners out there, can you kind of explain what, Um, how to deliver a great customer experience, especially in bathroom renovations?
1: I think being clear and transparent like we spoke about before and um, setting the expectation, I I think the biggest thing is putting yourself in their shoes. So I I remember early on, this was something that happened. I I had um, someone was working for me and they were taking the day off and they were taking the day off because they had some landscaping done in the back of their yard, right? And I'm like, okay, so you've got to go home to be there because someone's working in your backyard. And I thought, "This this is a trust thing. This is a trust issue. They've got to feel comfortable about you being in their home. So if you can make the customer feel comfortable, and yeah, look, if you've been referred, How much easier is that? They know you're going to do the right thing because their friends told them and blah, blah, blah. So that whole feeling and the experience is really what what, uh, changes and and makes the the whole process valuable as opposed to just making sure that the bathroom's done right, It's everything else in between.
0: Yeah. And I think also we were talking about in earlier conversations about the difference of, say like trades working on a development site versus someone's home and can you kind of explain the difference for the listeners out there that may be in this situation, what the difference is?
1: Well, just going back to what I was saying there, you know, having to be home because you've got someone in your backyard, like you're in, you're in someone's home and the, the level of care and attention that's required to make that customer feel feel happy and, and comfortable is is different to a building site. You're on a building site or a development site, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, there's no emotion there. It's just a transaction. You go on there. You've been paid a rate to do a job, where you're in someone's home and they're actually they're actually trusting you in their home. So what you think is acceptable on a building site, leaving rubbish or food scraps or, or any of those things, which still shouldn't happen, um, on a Domestic or residential property at Mr. and Mrs. Jones' house, it becomes so much more important for the customer to make sure that you're actually taking care of them and their home. That's their pride and joy.
0: And this gets kind of reflected in referral, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, because the way we operate, we're, we're doing whatever we can to, to take any pressure off the customer, make sure that it's as easy and as comfortable as possible for them. Because and we've spoken about this before, where the bathroom itself is the bathroom, that should just be done that's like um it's like a plumber knowing how to plumb, we know how to renovate the bathroom it's all the other bits and pieces that we've got to make sure that the customer's happy with
0: mm and from all of this, you know, the quality, it re- it reflects in the price and I think that's something that's very hard to communicate to the customer. So do you have any tips on how to communicate saying like you charge pot- like potentially a higher price but because of this, it's because it has all this quality inside and you yeah, deliver great experience? That, that's
1: probably one of the hardest things or one of our biggest challenges because even you said it now, we don't actually charge a higher price. They're just getting extra for it so value for money uh, and and I encourage everyone out there to actually if you're going to build this business of renovating bathrooms that you actually understand the cost to deliver that bathroom to the customer that you've promised and I I look at it with and I've spoken to many customers about this where it's like what when when you get a price and and you know our, our price is more expensive or or the, not even our price, the guys that are delivering properly out there, their price is going to be higher. But you're getting something for that money. You're getting a quality trade. You're getting all the scope done. You're getting um, project the job being properly project managed so the customer doesn't need to. I've heard and seen too many horror stories to understand that the higher price isn't always higher and, and there's got to be some kind of balance in the customer understanding uh, what they're getting for the money. So they're struggling to understand. Now We spoke about this before with transparency. It's like um, for them to be able to dissect it and understand what they're getting, it's not a high price. It's just they've got to put a value to what they want. So if if they value their time, they're going to pay pay the price because they don't have to worry about it. If they value their home being protected, they're going to pay for someone to protect their home. If they value a quality job that's going to last for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they're going to pay for that quality. If you don't pay for it, you're going to pay for it somewhere else.
0: And that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Steve, for hopping on. And do you have any final words to say for this episode?
1: Uh, anyone out there that's you know wanting to build it just to really focus on understanding that quality is, is the best way forward there's no there's no cutting corners there's no shortcuts um they all cost you in the end so you might as well deliver the best quality experience to the customer and, and the benefits will come
0: and that is the end of the episode thank you for listening to the Novali podcast behind the bathrooms if you have any questions or would like to reach out feel free to send us a message through the Novali bathrooms facebook and or instagram and stay tuned for our next episode